Well, good morning. Good morning, Auckland. Great to see you. I could preach with my back to you guys. Look at that. That's, that's great. Hey, some water just maybe would be cool if there's any anywhere. Look, just don't tell Michael that I wasn't that brave at the time. Uh, I probably look brave on the outside, but on the inside, man, it, it, wasn't, it wasn't good. So, uh, but yeah, we did that. The year after, we bought a band called No Longer Music and put them in the sound shell on New Year's Eve in Mount Wanganui, and uh, they had bottles thrown at them. The drummer got a cut down his leg, and anyway, I hadn't. Anyway, let's just pray. Father, we thank you this morning for your word, and uh, dear God, you know how inadequate I always feel when I open your word, because it is so much more powerful, um, so filled with wonder, uh, that really no human being could fully express the wonder of your word and your love for us. And I pray that, Holy Spirit, you would open every heart here today and uh, bring, a, bring a revelation. Lord, even if you have to preach a different message to me, to hearts as I bring what you've laid on my heart for some, really let this be a, a day of encounter. In Jesus' name, amen. Well, it's great to be here this morning. It's great to see Pastor Bob. Uh, here on the front row, because I was from Dunedin, and um, uh, in the earlier days uh, that I was here, Pastor Bob and Margaret were pastoring the Elam Church, and uh, they really became very important to my wife and I, and were great mentors to us, and we just love you guys unbelievably. Um, I would like to know how you don't tend to age, though. I mean, it's kind of like, that's just weird, right? How does this guy just never grow old? And, uh, and also, thank you very much uh, to uh, Michael and Liz for your invite, trusting me in the pulpit this morning. I better just check the time and uh, make sure that we're out of here by one o'clock. <laughs> so uh, I wrote a book a few years ago, probably 18 months ago, called Life Change. Um, 10 years ago, uh, we'd been in ministry, my wife and I, for 25 years, and we'd been 15 years in Dunedin. And I remember we were driving home from church, and I can, I can literally pinpoint the part of the road we were driving through where the Holy Spirit spoke to us and said, your season is over. And, um, you know, that was not our intention. It wasn't in our plans. We, we, you know, like you do, you go somewhere, you put your roots down, and I felt like we'd be there forever. But it was so clear. Uh, and then the next morning in my devotions, I was reading through Acts chapter 13, and I came across verse 46, and it says, from now on, we turn to the Gentiles. And as I read that passage of scripture, it, it, it just leapt out at me, and I had no idea what it would mean. I, I just felt like, I guess my suspicion was that God was going to take me out of the four walls of the church and, and put me in the marketplace. And the challenge of that, of course, is that your call, your anointing doesn't change. Your gift doesn't change. It's like you, you've got the, you're the same person, but now you've got to somehow survive out there. And, uh, you know, it's kind of cool inside the church because there's a captive audience and everybody gives and you get paid for it. When you resign and say, okay, now I still have to be me. I mean, I could have gone and, and got a job, you know, just whatever. But I felt like God was saying to take my gift to the Gentiles. And uh, that was scary. I, I had to tell you, it was very scary. It was financially uh, incredibly scary because... You know, I, I, I could preach a really bad message here today. You, you could walk out of, out of here thinking, well, that's an hour of my life I'm not going to get back, you know. But the reality is if you bring your tithe, then I still get paid. 
Now, how many are in the marketplace knowing that if you don't deliver, you, you don't get paid, you know? And so it really is a test to a preacher whether or not you've got anything good to say when you go into the marketplace. So, uh, so that became our life, and we, we just sold up. We resigned, we sold up, and uh, we, we kind of began this transition. We crossed the ditch. Uh, we started a company called Colab uh, Australia, and... and um, it's just, it's kind of exciting. We've narrowed down what we do to two things. We, we mentor young leaders. Uh, the funny thing is now, for a number of years, we've been really with the secular market, but it, it tends now that we've kind of, we stand, I've got one, one kind of foot in, in church and one foot in the marketplace and somehow trying to mix all this in together. And, and, and part of what God laid on my heart is to identify tomorrow's leaders. Because many of tomorrow's leaders are, uh, they're hidden. They're in the shadows. We don't know who they are yet. And, uh, and also a lot of young leaders today, especially in Australia, and I'm, I'm sure in New Zealand, they're in regions. They're not in churches with strong leaders, so they're not getting mentored. So we thought, let's, let's create a space for young leaders that are hungry for the things of God um, and unsaved leaders to come in. It's kind of crazy. That's really complicated. And let's prepare them for their destiny. Uh, and then we started a, a business community and our business community is, is really for, for businesses, and there's so many that don't have traction. And uh, obviously, we're trying to marry wise business principles with the favor of God. And how does that operate? So, so that's what we're doing. You can, if anybody's interested, you can just um, go online and press a button somewhere on the website, and uh, you just connect with us, and we can take it from there. But the, the challenge was, is that as we attempted to make this transition, this major, what we would say a life transition, it was really difficult because we didn't know many people that had succeeded at it. We, we didn't know, what do you do? How do you get from here to there? What's the process? Is there a roadmap? Is there, is there somebody that could come alongside us and say, well, this is how you do it? And uh, we, we didn't find anybody. So um, we met people that have been through redundancies and bankruptcies and and uh, lost loved ones, and, and, uh, or burnout, or for whatever reason, divorce, whatever, they, they just can't continue in the lane that they're in. It's not possible for them. So we meet people all the time now that are saying, well, how do I change? You know, I don't want to, I've been, you see, for us, I went into the ministry full-time when I was 22, and, and kind of God called me out when I was 48, 49. I didn't know anything else. So that's why we wrote this book, Life Change. We thought, it's, it's not a really big book, actually. But it's our journey of how did, we, how did we navigate in the future with our giftings intact, with our core values and purpose and callings intact. So there's a few of these. There's actually not that many here, but um, uh, they're in the foyer if you're interested. So this morning I want to speak to you on the subject of life change. And uh, we're going to turn to the book of Jer Deuteronomy. Ha has anybody read the book of Deuteronomy in one sitting? You've just... You've just Got it out. I'm reading from chapter 1 to chapter 34. I'm taking the whole thing in. I'm just going to read it as, as, as a whole. Has anyone done that? A few people? Why, why would you do that? Okay. I mean, we're talking Deuteronomy. Well, there's a reason why you would do that. And uh, the reason is this. Deuteronomy is a book that Moses, it's a record of his final sermon. The people of Israel had been uh, in the wilderness for nearly 40 years, about 38 and a half years at this time, and uh, God began to speak to Moses and say, you know, this, this season is coming to an end. The, the wilderness season is, is about to come to an end, and the people of God are going to go into their promised land. They're going into a whole new place, a place that's filled with, with, 
with, uh, with passion and momentum and victories. So, so what I need you to do is I want you to, to preach your last sermon. Because, of course, Moses wasn't going. He was the wilderness pastor. That was Pastor Moses in the wilderness. But he had kind of messed up a bit, and that's another message altogether. So God says, listen, you're not going to lead my people to the next season. You're not going to, going to take them into the promised land. So Moses pulls out Deuteronomy. He writes his final message. He says, this is it. This is, this is my final message. Imagine that. And uh, so, so if you read it as one, you're sitting in on, on the final sermon of Moses to his congregation. And he starts in chapter one, and he's, he's talking about the past. And he said, you know, there was a previous generation, and God pulled them out of Egypt. And they were supposed to go into their promised land, but they didn't uh, because of unbelief. So there's been this 40 years period in the wilderness and that whole kind of a thing. <laughs> and then he, ends, he comes to chapter two, and, and he says, okay, so that's the past. Now, now we've caught up into the future, and we're going to talk about what God is saying now. And I want to suggest to you today that, that um, there's many people here this morning, and this is why I felt to share this with you, that, that you're at the end of a season. You've, you've been in a wilderness for a long time. You, you've been walking this, this pathway, and, and in your heart, you know, this isn't the promised land. This isn't the season of my, my favor. This isn't the seasons of my victories. I feel like I'm still in preparation. You've been going round and round in circles in this thing, saying, when is God going to bring me into the promise? And I believe this morning that for many of you, you're, you're, at, you're at the door. You're at the, you're at the Jordan River. You're at that place where God is saying, okay, I'm about to end the season and bring you into a new one. So that's the context of this passage of Scripture and we pick it up in chapter 2 and verse 1. It says, Then we turned and set out for the wilderness by the way of the Red Sea, just as the Lord had told me. This is Moses sharing his, his sermon. And we circled Mount Seir for many days. Now that many days is nearly 40 years. Bit of an understatement, but anyway. Then verse 2, And the Lord spoke to me, saying, You have circled this mountain long enough. Turn northward. You have circled this mountain long enough. Turn northward. So if you could imagine this, that the people had been in this wilderness. It was, it was the hill country of, of, of Seir, of Mount Seir. And uh, a mountainous area it was just south of the Dead Sea. And after 40 years, God speaks to them with these words. This wilderness. It's over. Can you imagine that? This, this wilderness, it's over. It, it's, it's time to move on. You've circled this thing. And, you know, think of cycles. You've, you've been going around the circle for a long time, and it's over. When God spoke to us as 10 years ago, literally he was saying, you've been circling this mountain for 15 years, and in some ways for 25 years. That's long enough. I didn't think it was long enough. I, I thought I'd keep circling ministry. You know, I, our mountain was Mount full-time ministry. And, and to be honest, our mountain wasn't really a wilderness. You know, as, as pastors, anyone will tell you in ministry, you have your difficult times. But it was a good mountain. It was a blessed mountain. But it was a season that had come to an end. And uh, so, so God was basically saying to us, Mount ministry, you've circled it long enough. 
turn off. So I have a question for you this morning, and this is the question of the whole message. This is what you need to go home with. If God came to you this morning, right here in the presence of God, imagined by the Holy Spirit, this, the, the cloud of glory came upon the building, and we're all standing here in the presence of God, which we actually are. We just have to enter it by faith. Sometimes we're looking for it to respond to, whereas we should by faith step into it. But again, another message. But imagine God came here right now by the power of the Holy Spirit and looked you in the eye and said, you've circled this mountain long enough. Turn northward. Here's my question. What would the mountain be? What would the mountain be? There can be good mountains. There can be some not so good mountains that God calls us to stop circling. I want to make a comment here. I'm not talking location today. I'm talking season. I'm talking season. So let me ask you again. If God were to speak to you today and say you've circled this mountain long enough, what would your mountain be? It may be that, that your mountain is Mount Poverty. I'm going to share with you some of the mountains I've circled. It could be that you've circled Mount Poverty long enough. You know, you know what I mean, where your credit cards are at their limit all the time, bills on the kitchen table you can't pay, lie awake at night worrying about money, always having almost enough. Next year will be better. We'll catch up next year. And, and this, this mountain of, of almost enough or never enough, and you've been going around and around the mountain for so long and, and, and you know here's the deal I think we can have seasons of almost enough we can have seasons of financial hardship but seasons are not to be the story of your life you see the story of your life is one of God's favor if you're a, a Christian here today the story of your life is God's provision the story of your life is for you to prosper and be blessed and to be, have enough to, to look after your own needs and then an overflow for the needs of others. That's the story of your life. And, and the challenge is sometimes you can take a season, a mountain that you're circling, Mount Poverty, and it becomes the story of your life. And, and God sometimes has to step in and say, come on, you've circled this mountain long enough. See, I, I know what that's like. We pioneer churches. You know, I remember the day, in, in my day, when you pioneered a church, you were given a Bible and a guitar, and you were sent out, and you would hire a hall and knock on some doors and start leading worship and preaching. We, we pastored one church when I was engaged. I know. Didn't, didn't bode well and, uh, for, for my oncoming marriage and relationship, but we went four months before anyone turned up. Now, I had a, an amazing wife, who, I, and I, I, you, Mike knows me. He knows what I'm going to do in that situation, right? I'm not going to lock up and go home, man. I got a message. So I would just put my wife on the front row, and we'd worship God, and then I'd preach, and the Bible says to raise up a wife in the way that she should go, and then, no, no, hang on, wrong scripture. But, but in those days, man, it was, you, 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 you just, it was like you either succeed and prove God's call on your life or you fail and you just prove that you never had that call and you find something else to do. Man, we were so broke during our times as, you know, I would drive past the fish and chip shop and say to the kids, breathe in, kids, and that, you know, the fumes were dinner. It was like, that's, 
There's times where we had to choose between food and petrol. How many know what I'm talking about? You know, how many have been there? And, and we chose food. And I could tell you on multiple occasions, I'm hitchhiking to the next petrol station with my family waiting in the car for me to get back. We, we've, we've been in that area of poverty. And, and uh, I remember one time Sharon was just so frustrated and she was in the garden saying, God, this is so hard. We're serving you. I can't even put bark on my gardens. Then that afternoon, a guy from church turned up with a whole bunch of bark and sacks, and he said, I was just taking bark off my gardens, and I just wonder whether you would like it. You know, it was like, okay, God, you know, we'll just keep it. But then in 2001, it was like God spoke into our lives, and we were living in this wee little two-bedroom house overlooking Carrisbrook. That was the only positive thing about it, so we could watch the footy from the front window. But it was so small, and, and, and so we had three kids, so two boys were in one room, we were in the other room, and then we had like a an eight-year-old daughter, you know, and it was kind of like, well, what are you going to do with her? And we had this wee little bathroom. So I ripped everything out of the bathroom and put it into the laundry. And, and, and the, the room was big enough for a bed, a single bed, so that became my daughter's bed. And we were just, we were struggling. And I remember just saying, God, you know, this is just so hard. We've served you. And I, I preach provision. I, I preach blessing. And, 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 and I'm not living it. And it's so hard to preach it and not live it. And it was like God says, well, you've circled this long enough. You need to break the poverty. You need to turn northward. You've got to break the cycle. Now, that, that was pretty tough. So I said, okay, let's break the cycle. Then God took us through a process. And, and honestly, breaking the cycle was more painful than living in the cycle. You know what I mean? You know, we were praying about it, and, and this is a word for us, not for you. And God says, this is how you're going to break poverty. And I'm thinking, great, I'm going to win lotto. <laughs> we're the numbers, God. I'm ready. I'm ready. And then God says, I want you to give the next year of your salary to missions. Yeah, well, thank you very much, Lord. That's, um, that's not smart. And, uh, and I remember, so we did it. We actually went to the treasurer. We said, you are not allowed to tell any other person in our church, no one. This is our secret for the next 12 months. You take my salary, instead of put into our bank, you put it towards missions or whatever need the church has. We trusted God for a year. And for us, it, it was the turning northward. It was the trusting God. And when you've done that, honestly, you, you learn how to trust God. And, and poverty was broken. But, but there comes a time where you have to decide the mountains that you're going to turn from. Now, poverty might not be your thing today. You could be circling Mount, Mount Bitterness and offense. They might be circling around and somebody hurt you, somebody betrayed you. Can I just say to you today, you don't own that real estate. We've all been betrayed. And I'll guarantee that somebody's been betrayed worse than you have. And, and you can circle that mountain long enough and you can lie in bed at night rehearsing what you would say if you had the chance. Nobody knows what I'm talking about, eh? You can write that email. I've written a whole bunch of emails to people, man. Have I put it out there? You And I get to press send, and Holy Spirit whispers to me, Graham, you're bigger than that. And I move over to delete. You can't circle that mountain. Hebrews 12, 15, see, it, see to it that no one falls short of the grace of God and that no bitter root grows up to cause trouble and defiles many. You see, you, you defile people when you circle that mountain. In fact, Paul says, don't even let the sun go down on your anger. In other words, that's a mountain you're not even allowed to circle beyond dinner. 
And, and if you're circling that, you know, oh, but my dad hurt me, and my mum hurt me, and my pastor hurt me, and the church hurt me, and the boss hurt me, and my good friend hurt me, and my wife hurt me, and she ran away, or my husband hurt me, and he beat me. And look, there's terrible stories that happen to us. But, but there comes a time when the Spirit of God will speak to you and say, listen, I love you, and I weep for you, and I'm so broken that you had to go through that, but you can't circle that mountain. You just can't circle it. You've got to eventually move northward. Well, your whole dear, you may not be circling that mountain. You might be circling Mount Depression. This is a bit more hard, isn't it? Because depression isn't an, an act of will oftentimes. It's, it's an illness. It's something that we don't get to control. I circled that mountain for years. I really did. And, and I've been through those dark seasons of the night where, where you're lying in bed at night and you feel the hopelessness start to descend upon you. And you start to believe the lie that things will never get better, that this is as good as it gets. Remember that movie with Jack Nicholson? And, and he's been to his therapist and he's coming out and the whole waiting room's filled with other people needing a therapist, which is actually all of us. And as he's passing by, he just turns to everybody and says, what if this is as good as it gets? I have a message for you this morning. It gets better. It gets better. And, uh, and I'm going to talk in a while about how we can get away from that, that, that cycle of depression. But look, there's lots of, of mountains that God could be speaking to you about. And I think in your notes, you get the opportunity to write one down this morning. You could be circling Mount Loneliness. You're isolated. You haven't friends. You could be circling, oh goodness, do I have to say this one, Lord? You could be certain Mount McDonald's or Mount Burger King. Was it Burger King over here? Hungry Jack's, whatever. Mount KFC. And you know you need to move northward. You could be circling Mount Too Much Television. Too Much Facebook. Addictions. Your mountain could be Mount Pornography. And you just keep going around the mountain again and again and again. And one day I'll break free. And I've tried to break free, but I keep going back to the mountain. And the Spirit of God is saying to you, come on, today is your day to turn northward. Get off that track. Get off that cycle. Maybe you're circling Mount Grumpy. Did anybody feel an elbow? Maybe you're circling Mount too busy to spend time with your family. You see, the thing is, only you know. Nobody, nobody can tell you the mountain that you're circling that God is saying, because look, you've, you've got you've to move on from here. Whatever the mountain is, God's word for you this morning is, you've circled this mountain long enough. Turn northward. There's a cycle you need to move on from today for the future that God has for you. Why northward? What, what, what's, what's the story about northward? Let me just share two thoughts with you. The first one is the mountain that the people of Israel was circling was the Dead Sea. In other words, if they kept circling that mountain, they would just never produce life. 
And, and some of you are on a cycle right now, and you know, you've got dreams, and you know that God's called you into a promised land and to life and fruitfulness and, and to be a blessing, to leave a legacy. But where you are right now, you're not producing any life. There's no one being blessed. There's no one being saved. There's no one being mentored. There's no, there's no impact. There's, there's, there's no, you know, the whole poverty thing. You're unable to bless the nations like you would like to. And, and can I just say to you that if you choose to stay at this mountain, there's just no life there. There's no life on the Dead Sea. And, and the second thing is this, is that, that north of the mountain, so, so when, when God says turn northward, northward of the mountain was the promised land. That's where the Jordan River was. So, so when God says, listen, you've circled this mountain, this dead sea, this, this wilderness where nobody's growing, the, the, the kingdom of God, they're not blessing the nations, and I need you now to turn northward because I need to get you away from that barrenness. He was literally saying that north of you there is a, a river, there is a Jordan, and across that Jordan there's a promised land, and that's where I want you. That's where your blessing is. That's where your inheritance is. That's where you're going to change the world. And, and it's like God is saying, here's the deal. You can keep circling the mountain, or you can turn northward and go to the promised land, but you can't have both. You can't have both. And, and if you're circling, for example, a mount of offense, and you're bitter, and you're twisted, and you either won't or can't forgive, and you're going to circle that mountain, and God is saying, listen, over here, there's this incredible destiny. There's this incredible fruitfulness. There's a life that matters over here, and, and, and you can stay over here and circle your bitterness, or you can say, I'm going to forgive, I'm going to deal with it, and I'm going to go to my promised land, but you can't have a foot in both camps. It's time to choose. You know, guys, there's, there's some people here and you're caught up in a sexual sin. You see, maybe it's, it's even adultery or maybe it's pornography or whatever it is. And it's like, yeah, but I can't quit it and I keep going back to it and I just, it's a cycle of my life. Here's the deal. You can keep circling or you can go to the promised land, but you can't have both. Isn't it great when you get pastors that can say something? It might be a bit hard for the... But, you know, the visiting guy, I just get taken to the airport this afternoon, you know, it's all good. But, but you just, you just got to choose. See, we could have stayed in Dunedin. It was a good mountain. It wasn't even a bad mountain. We could have said, no, not too much faith required. I'm getting paid here. We've got a good church. We love Dunedin. Our kids grew up there. They were blessed. My boys went to university there. We could just say no. And if we had said no to this and went, and said yes to the future that we couldn't see. But if we had said, I'm going to stay at this mountain, I'd never be experiencing the things that I'm experiencing today. It really is a choice. Now, you might be saying, I'm going to wrap up, give you three thoughts as I close. You might be saying to me this morning, okay, look, I get it. You've labored on long enough. I get the point. You want me to leave this mountain behind, but I can't. I can't. I've tried before. This poverty thing, it's just got a grip of me. I'm always living in not enough. Or this pornography thing, or this depression thing. You can't just say, get over it. You know, that's the worst thing, right? Well, let me give you three thoughts on how to leave your mountain behind. And the first thing is, God transitions that God initiated and God empowered. I want you to think about this, that the people of Israel circled the mountain for nearly 40 years. They never, they never went north. They never said, let's just get out of this mountain. It was like they had to wait 
for God to step in and say, enough, it's time. They couldn't go earlier, they couldn't go later. It was a moment when God turned up on their doorstep and said, you've circled this mountain long enough, move northward because I'm coming with you, I'm going to bless you, I'm going to open the way. They obeyed God, and what did they find? They came to this river. And it's like, the river, I can't cross it. So God just whoosh, opens the way, they walk across. You see, that's, that's the thing about this is that if you will honor the Lord, if you will step out in faith today, say, okay, God, it's time. I know you're speaking to me. The conviction here is too strong for me. I'm going to move forward. Then God will open the river to you. There will be a God encounter. I remember one night, many, many years ago now, but I was lying in bed at night, and the same old depression started to come back. And I I never camped. I circled. That's really important, right? You know what I'm saying? I just said, look, I will, I will, this will pass, this will pass, this will pass. And sometimes four, five, six days. I was in ministry. And I'm battling this, this terrible hopelessness. And one night I was in bed and, and this thing started to come upon me. And, and I, I was in the twilight zone. You know what that is where you're, you're kind of not asleep. You're not fully awake. And as I'm in that place, it was like the Spirit of God said something to me that I already knew. And he said, this is a trespasser. This thing that keeps coming on you, you're a child of God. It has no legal right. And I remember, and, and, and this, is, this is how simple it was. I was half asleep. And I says, you are an illegal trespasser in my life. This is sacred ground. And I command you to leave me and never come back. And I command you not to enter any of my family in the house, any of my children, any of my descendants. I cast you back to hell where you belong and put up a no trespassing sign over my life. It was a, it was a moment where God had, in, had, had brought me to a place of encounter and immediately God set me free. It had to be God. So God will do this thing. Number, number two, don't travel alone. I think this is one of the mistakes that we often make. We think, I have to do this. And, and can I say this? Having been a pastor for a long time, we, we do some really, really bad things. And one of the worst things that we do is we project success to be accepted by our peers. Don't go telling anybody you're in depression. Don't go telling anyone you've got a problem with pornography. Don't, don't tell anyone you're getting drunk every night, you know, after services because you hate the people. You know, don't, don't tell anyone anything because you might lose your job or your credibility. And we travel alone. We live behind the mask of success. Pull down the mask and find some help. You'll find some help. It could be a doctor, it could be a counsellor, it could be a friend. We, we had to find help when we, we um, travel. There's a scripture which is on here. I won't have time today. I want to I close. But when Elijah was depressed and, and suicidal in the wilderness, and he went to the mountain of God, you know the whole thing, the still small voice came along. And, and the, the still small voice, it's interesting what God said to him, right? God says to him, Elijah, you, you, obviously you're depressed and you're, you're in trouble here. Go and anoint Elisha. Bring him onto your team. Go and, go and anoint Hazael. Bring him onto the team. Go and anoint Jehu. Bring them onto the team. And he literally went around and he gathered people. He, 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 the new king of, of, of Judah, the new king of Israel, the new prophet that would take us. you just got to bring the right people into your world. I remember when we were leaving Dunedin, it was such a big thing. I remember 
Dave Disroon, I don't know if you know his pastor, Dave Disroon from Tower Island. I gave him a call and said, we're really struggling with this thing. Should we really resign? And he just came down. He got on a plane. Let's talk. Let's pray. Tark Barna. Tark Barna got on a plane at his own expense, flew in in the morning, took us out for lunch, said, what is God saying? And gave us wise counsel. Then he got on a plane and flew home again. Danny Gugliamucci heard about what we were going through, and my wife wasn't well at the time. He said, come now. I've got a psychologist here you've got to talk to. I called Ray Andrews. We flew over, and Dr. Ray Andrews sat down with us and said, you got it right, you need to go. Your wife's not well enough to weather this storm. So many people that came into our world, a guy called Neville Waterman, a businessman, took me on his team, taught me all about business. Just bring people and don't travel alone. I beg of you, you, even with a word from God to turn northward, if you travel alone, even his miraculous deliverance might not get you across the Jordan. You've got to have some friends. Finally, give yourself permission to dream again. Give yourself permission to dream again. Here's a thought for you this morning. These, these people, the people of Israel, they had been in the wilderness for 40 years. Most of them, if not all of them, couldn't even remember Egypt. They had no idea what the promise meant. All they knew was the wilderness. That's all they knew. As imagine, you might be here today, well, I've only ever known depression. I've only ever known brokenness. I've ever known, you know, poverty. What, what does prosperity even look like? What does provision even look like? And you, you literally have to come to a point. You see, Abraham and Sarah, they couldn't have a child. You know, it was okay when they were in their 20s. Oh, we can't have a child. In their 30s, oh, can't have a child. In their 40s, hmm, Sarah's not getting pregnant. In their 50s, she's still not pregnant. And God told us we'd have a child. 60s, 70s, about 75, God turns up, says, you can have a child. <laughs> You're right. 80s. 90s. I don't, I don't think this can happen. We've lived with this barrenness for so long now. In fact, when, when Sarah got the, she laughed. She said, oh, you're right. You're right. So what did God do? Abraham, follow me. Follow me. Follow me. Come outside. Can you see the stars? Just dream for a moment that that's how many children Sarah will have. Oh, I'm not sure I can see it, God. Okay, let's go to the beach. To the beach. Abraham, count the grains of sand. Don't know if I can count them. That's how many children will come from Sarah's womb. Dream again. I had spent 25 years in ministry, and God asked me to dream of a life in the marketplace. I had no idea. I had no idea. But I had to allow the Holy Spirit to come. And help me to dream again. Father, I pray this morning for every person here in this room. Lord, I can only hope that you've brought somebody here today 
that's been circling a mountain near the Dead Sea. God, you have even more compassion for that person than I do. They're frustrated. They're tired. They're disappointed. There's some here that are broken. Some that are angry. Angry at you. And this message this morning could be a very painful one. Where I see it as full with hope. But for some it's like my hopelessness has become so overwhelming I can't see it. Holy Spirit, speak to every heart. Show us the mountain that is keeping us away from our promised land. Show us the mountain that we're circling. By revelation right now, show us the mountain that we've been circling that is holding us back from destiny. Could be a mountain of unbelief. Lord, I pray for encounter this morning. I pray. I pray that we would take a huge step north towards our destiny, knowing that in our rearview mirror is a mountain that we will never circle again. And we can let it go.